This is Revelation Response, a podcast where we talk about who God is, what He's done in our lives, and how we can't help but respond in worship. We want these episodes to be an encouragement, wherever you are in your faith journey, to pay attention to what God is saying to you and to consider how you might respond. Now, here's my conversation with Mandy Mosley. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Nate Souza, and I got an awesome friend today with a great story. So, uh, Mandy, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Mandy Mosley, and I have been a worship leader at Fellowship for about eight years. I've been in the Nashville area for 10, no, almost 11 years. Oh, cool. And uh, glad to be here. Nice. Did you move here for music? Was it like a, we're going to go to Nashville to do? Um. That was the main thing. We we definitely wanted to go to a town that could had more of an infrastructure to support music as okay. a career um, for uh, both of us. Yeah, and especially my husband, because um, my music background is mostly worship leading, which I felt like I could probably find a way to do anywhere. Gotcha. Okay. But he, you know, being a, a keyboardist and you know um, session player and all that. Yeah, Nashville seemed like the most reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Makes Idea. sense to me. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, awesome. Okay, and we'll get into all this, but um, your family as well. Yeah. You've got uh, what's we your family have, like? So we have well, there's me and there's Luke, my okay. husband, um, and then we have a daughter, Emma, who's three and a half. Okay. We have Ellie, who is 14 months right now, and then we have one on the way due in November. So exciting! Yeah, <laughs> so amazing. exciting. And are you uh, probably not saying names, especially not on a podcast? Yeah, probably not going to give a name yet. <laughs> so good. Not yet. We're yeah. working on that. We're so excited for you guys, though. Yeah, um, and we had the pleasure of being a group with you guys. Yes. Um, and uh, even the, don't tell our groups, Pastor, that we were not always yeah. the most amazing <laughs> at meeting. But um, those are some some great memories in our house, yes. like having people over and yes. uh, all that. Well, thanks for being on the um, podcast today. And, thanks um, for having me. Yeah, I just want to kind of launch into your story, um, especially about Ellie. You know, when we started thinking about um, doing Revelation Response, you know, thinking through people in my life, people at the church, and um, your story was one of the first ones that came to mind. You know, just saying, okay, there's all this good, happy things um, that we talk about, but what does this concept of Revelation Response look like in a trial or through suffering or anything that's not yeah. uh, perfect? You know, um, I think it's important for the church to still talk about those things and be open because we all go through it, but uh, a lot of times we keep it to ourselves or we don't we don't want to share the fullness of any suffering, you know? And so, um, yeah, so maybe for those who don't know, like, tell us a little bit about Ellie and kind of the beginning of her story. Yeah, so... Um, we had had our first child at the end of 2018. That was Emma. And then uh, we always knew I was an only child growing up. So I always knew I wanted, if I were going to have any kids at all, I wanted mm-hmm. at least, you know, two kids. Okay. So they'd have each other. <laughs> and so about um, early, I'd say early 2020, before the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. we were talking about probably opening ourselves up to going ahead and trying again that year. Okay. So um, in the fall, we found out we were expecting early fall, late summer. And that was exciting. And then we found out um, right around the holidays that it was going to be a girl. Mm -hmm. We did some early, um, not testing, but like we 
we went to an ultrasound that they could tell you before your big 20 yeah, week anatomy one. The fancy ones. Yeah. <laughs> so we went there, found out it was a girl. Like, oh my goodness, gonna have two girls. This is gonna be so awesome. Yeah. And they're gonna be close in age. They're gonna be besties uh-huh. or frenemies, one of those. And um, then in January, early January, um, we found out from our 20 week ultrasound that she had some significant uh, red flags. Okay. And that it was likely that she probably had either Down syndrome or Edwards syndrome, which I had never heard of Edwards syndrome. So I had to Google a lot to figure that out. (laughs) And um, then we did some more testing and found out it it was, in fact, Edwards syndrome. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty devastating because the statistics numbers on that are not good. Mm. So it really redefined how we were preparing and over the next few months, so I was due um, toward the end of May. So from January through May, the whole time, we were enlisting a lot of prayer <laughs> and crying a lot of tears mm-hmm. and uh, hoping a lot of high hopes, but trying to hold things loosely because we were told not to expect her to be born alive. Okay. We were told not to necessarily expect to carry all the way to term. So pretty much that entire time, Every day, I was wondering, will this be the day? Right. Um, and then it got to be um, one day past her due date. It was uh, May 24th, and okay. she came. <laughs> and um, she survived labor and delivery. and. Uh-huh. Um, Which we, I remember you saying at the time already mm-hmm. put her in uh, yeah. like mm-hmm. what, the, the 5% or oh, something. Oh, yeah. That already okay. put her in a pretty small percentile of kiddos wow. with that syndrome to make it all the way to term and then to survive okay. labor and delivery. Yeah. So she was doing pretty well, all things considered. Mm-hmm. She was small, but she we didn't know necessarily everything that was going on with her, but we knew enough to kind of look at her and go, okay, we feel like we could take her home. Mm-hmm. So we took her home um, the next day. <laughs> And we got um, connected with hospice, and they brought over a lot of equipment we'd never heard of and never knew anything about. So Uh we got a crash course in how to do oxygen support. And Okay, so were you, like, constantly on the phone trying to get help or questions answered? I Not so much, because what we were advised, the only advice we were given was hold her until she passes. Just enjoy her while you can. Okay. There's really nothing to be done. Wow. So we asked more questions like, well, how exactly is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. What am I looking for? When do I know it's time? Because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to call hospice and they'll come over and they'll administer some morphine to keep her comfortable while it's happening. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen that before. And I don't want to see it, obviously. Right. But I need to feel as prepared as I can. So right. I was asking anybody who I thought had any experience with that, Constantly describe every scenario you've ever seen (laughs) of a baby with something like this dying and give me every detail. I even was connected to a cousin of a friend who lives in another state, and I would Marco Polo her from time to time. She had had and lost an Edwards Syndrome child 10 years before. And I said, I hate to ask you this, but if you're comfortable with it, because I'm in the throes of this, can you please tell me every detail of what happened that day? Yeah. And so here I was, you know, in the first few months of things with Ellie, and I would ask her 
I need you to just, if you're okay with it, if you yeah. can handle it, it's totally okay if you shut me down. Uh-huh. But I need to know every detail because I feel like every day, every time she coughs, every time she yeah. kind of changes color on me, because she would, she would right. turn blue sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I would go, is this what's happening or is this something else? Right. And no one could really give me really great definitive information. Mm-hmm. In fact, I felt like most of the time people just said, just hold her and love her. Well, I thought, well, how do you love someone into death? How do you, mm-hmm. how practically and functionally am I supposed to do this? Yeah. I would spend, especially in those first three weeks and a little bit after that, I spent 24 hours pretty much holding her all the time. Mm. I got maybe an average of 45 minutes of sleep per night. Oh, no way. Because I'm trying to figure out how to get any nutrition in her. Mm -hmm. It's spitting out everywhere. I don't know if she's really getting any. Mm -hmm. She's looking dehydrated. She's looking like a skeleton. She's losing weight. But she's not slipping away like they said she Mm -hmm. would. You know, the doctors had pretty much told me she'll just fall asleep and not wake up. And that's, so I'm thinking, well, that's not happening, but there are times where she lays a certain way and she changes color and she gets upset. And I can tell that she's uncomfortable because she's not getting enough air, but I don't really know what to do. Yeah. And we found out we couldn't really put her in a regular car seat that she would turn blue, even with oxygen support. So Mm -hmm. there were just all these little things we were trying to learn about her while I'm in the middle of my, you know, postpartum hormonal, you know, drop that (laughs) happens. Yeah, already. (laughs) Already. And I have my wild two and a half year old, Mm -hmm. you know, just running around being a two and a half year old. Yeah. Who also happens to have just an incredibly strong will, like nothing I've ever run into. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) combining all this. (laughs) Yeah, combining all of this. And it's summer. And I'm like, I can't go outside with you because this baby is going to die any second. I I really don't know. Mm -hmm. And it was just my, every day I was so afraid that if I walked away from Ellie for a second to go discipline Emma, I would come back and she'd be dead. Yeah, gosh, what a hard thing to go. So that was my day to day for that whole summer. Well, when she's three weeks old, we decided, let's just take her in to Vanderbilt Children's, talk with the genetics team, see what we can figure out. So they hooked us up with, they went ahead and just said, let's just admit her for a couple of days and get all the specialists in here, like a revolving door. Mm-hmm. So you're not coming back for a bunch of appointments. And let's just figure out the scope okay. of what's going on with her specifically, which was the first time anyone ever really talked like that about her. It mm-hmm. just seemed like everybody else just saw the diagnosis and said, oh, Edward syndrome, she's going to die. You're lucky if you get some time with her, just soak that up. Gotcha. And that was all anyone could tell us. So it feels like there's this tension between like the short term and also I want to care for this person right. uh, in a normal way, not right. just until they're passing. Right. You know? And so trying to balance those, right. is that kind of how it felt oh, yeah. the whole time? How okay. do I, how, like, I'm just trying to love her, but what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Because... I feel like just abandoning her to these problems isn't loving her. Right, yeah. But I wouldn't want to chase after any things that aren't going to help her either. So how do, how do mm-hmm. I hold that? So here we are at three weeks. She's still with us. Mm-hmm. She's obviously needing help, but we don't know what to do. And we don't know exactly what kind of help she specifically needs. So we show up with all these questions. They get us in front of all these specialists. We find out some answers. You know, there's some good things. Mm-hmm. There's still some pretty serious yeah, other things. Right. Um, one of them being, they said they found a large VSD, which is a hole in the between the 
to ventricles Mm -hmm. that they said would not close on its own. We would need to make a decision around four to six months of age for her if we were going to pursue heart repair or not. And we knew that if we didn't, that would mean she would pass. But the question would be, well, then what do we pursue for comfort care if we go that route? Or is heart repair really the only thing to make her comfortable? (laughs) You know, do we just go ahead and do it and then risk like losing her in surgery or, you know. Uh But we were told you have a couple months to kind of think about that. And, you know, we're like, okay, great. Awesome. A couple months to make a huge decision (laughs) about that. Um, She also has two tiny ASDs, which are at the top of um, between the atrium. And um, but they said those we really don't think are going to be a problem. That's really only if you're like an athlete, (laughs) you know, we don't expect her to be like playing football, you know, Uh so it's really probably not going to be an issue ever. So here we are, a family who never really spent a lot of time around anyone with these kinds of special needs Uh um, as children. And we never imagined we would have a special needs child. And we have this incredibly fragile, potentially fatal thing going on with our daughter and she's hooked up to a feeding tube and we've got oxygen running all through the house and that that became our our normal um so then that summer we just decided we would take her on road trips to meet as many family members as possible (laughs) now that we have equipment to kind of like help us with that make it happen yeah so that was just like summer of going places making memories going to the beach going to visit family in texas okay so texas florida you guys were oh yeah we went everywhere seeing all the sites yep we did all the things okay and she made it through and looking back i go how in the world did we do that like she probably should have been in a nicu that whole time yeah right but somehow we just we had a will and we were gonna do it yeah you know because if we were gonna lose her we want everybody to get yeah to know her first yeah and i loved seeing all the facebook posts with all the pictures and everything and just watching God do a miracle, like seeing that low, low number of percentage, like, and I don't want to give away the rest of the story, but you know, she's no longer <laughs> a couple months old, you yeah, know? Exactly. And so just watching what God's done, like through her story has been so amazing. And just the encouragement that that gives us to see you guys saying, I don't know if we're supposed to do this. I don't know if this is right or wrong, yeah. but like this feels right. And so we're going to celebrate her yep. and we're going to go do this at the beach and do all those things. It's yep. like been so amazing with the whole concept of revelation response. What did that look like through, uh, let's just start with the disappointment, right? Yeah. So you're pregnant sisters, so wonderful, exciting. you know, and then that, um, that feeling of something's wrong yeah. and what is happening. Maybe it won't be as bad. Right. Oh no, I think it might be worse. Yeah. Talk to me about like, what was God revealing through that time? Was he <laughs> revealing anything? What was your, uh, what does that do to your faith and to yeah. your hope, <clears throat> you know, to, to feel these things? Oh, man. Yeah, back then. Yeah. So in January, when we found out, the initial thought was just utter disappointment, devastation, sadness. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, Lord, I can't do this. And if this is, if you're not going to heal this baby, then I need you to choose the other thing. I need you to do it quickly because mm. I just can't walk through all of this for a long time. Yeah. That's just not something I'm up for. Right. And so I admit I was like, I was on the two extremes. Mm-hmm. I was either Lord heal this baby completely or Lord take her and do your thing. If that's the right. route you're going to go, do it. Do it now. And don't like yeah. draw this out. Mm-hmm. I just would wake up every day still pregnant and people praying for me and sending me different messages of what they were praying mm-hmm. over me. And I started seeing certain themes in Scripture that I had never really meditated on much before. 
And it started becoming probably the, the main theme that I focused on constantly. I'm crying out to God. And it, and it happened, I would say, not specifically in reading particular scriptures, although I would feel drawn to certain things, and I'd go back and look at them. But it would be in those times where it was just me and the Lord. Like I, w- I would be in the shower or I'd be you know doing something that's just me. And I'd be crying out, oh, God, I just, like if there's any other way that whatever story you're trying to write here and you're you're going to get the glory and all that, mm-hmm. and I want that. But if, if there's any other way besides all the pain that I'm feeling like is coming upon us and yet to come upon us, mm-hmm. let's do whatever the other thing could be. Right. <laughs> like if there's yeah. any other way to do this, can we yeah. go about this a different way? And as I would say those words, I would think, oh my gosh, that's what Jesus said mm. in the garden. Like totally, that, like yeah. that's, and I went, wow, God himself has felt this. Mm. And so I started thinking about all the ways in which God has felt pain and suffering and sorrow. Mm. And it wasn't just in the garden and on the cross. Like we think of a suffering savior dying on the cross. But really, mm-hmm. you look at the fact that he decided to make human beings in the first place, knowing that this dream of of us being his his partners on the earth, his his heirs, his his children, his friends, all that was wrapped up in that design being mm-hmm. completely obliterated by our own will. Yeah. You know, and going through with it anyway. Ouch. Yeah. Right. You know, um, I thought, man, he has experienced pain on a on an amazingly deep level mm-hmm. for all of time. <laughs> it's and, only thousands of years. Yeah, it's only <laughs> like thousands of years in our experience. Right. Oh my goodness! And then to for all these things to culminate in him being in the garden as a human being, mm-hmm. knowing what's about to happen to him. And even though he is so obedient and he's driven by obedience to the Father and compassion for people, he's going to do whatever it takes. And he still very honestly, very openly just says, okay, but if there's any other way we can do this, <laughs> like, I, let, can we explore? Yeah, yeah. What are my <laughs> options we, can, here? Can, we, I think can I know. you pass this from me for just a minute? But yeah. in the same breath, not my will, your will be done. Hmm. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm not there yet. Mm. I'm not there yet. I'm still in the first part of that sentence. Right. If there's any other way, please, I'm begging. Mm-hmm. And, That's and, such an honest place to be, like to say, oh, I know man. the right answer is like, whatever. Right, like, this yeah. is how I'm feeling. The, I am not there yet. Lord, would you help me get there? Mm-hmm. Can you do it by choosing some other way so that this is not so hard? And then yeah. I can get there and say, yeah, whatever you want to do. Right. But, I, you know, ultimately, I, I feel that I will eventually get there, Lord, but I'm going to need your help. Yeah. Because I don't feel that right now. Yeah. So I found myself just identifying with God in his suffering and then realizing that when people say God meets you in your suffering, I I started getting this image that, and this is what would carry me through a lot of times <laughs> in that season, that if suffering is like a place, like a coffee shop, it's not so much that I go there and God hears that I'm there, so he goes to meet me. Mm. Is that God f- has frequented this coffee shop quite a bit <laughs> for a very long time. Right, yeah. He's usually there. Okay. So if I find myself going there, I'm likely to run into him mm. because he's already very well acquainted with 
that place. Yeah. He's like, Mandy, hey. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to welcome you. I'm already here. Yeah, that's an interesting image. Um, and so I, I thought, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Now I can see a little more clearly why a passage that's always kind of confused me in that Jesus did these things and experienced these things so that we would know that we have a merciful high priest. Mm. And I thought sometimes, well, wasn't he already a merciful high priest without having to do all these things? Yeah. You know, but now we can really know it mm. because we can reference, oh man, anything, literally anything I'm going through, Yeah. he has been through that thing. Mm-hmm. And he's hanging out there and he knows it well. Right. And it's not just, hey, he's this big sovereign God in charge of everything and what he says goes. And yeah, I know you're hurting, but like I've got this story to write. Yeah. It's it's like, no, I I, I get that. Right. Like I'm there. Yeah. And I have felt the emotion of drowning in it. Mm. Even though I'm the sovereign God mm-hmm. over all things. Yeah. I know the depth. I of know it. exactly yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. And that's the God that I serve. That's the God I worship. That's the God who is listening to my prayers and doing these miracles, including along the way us finding out that her VSD that everybody was so worried about that Mm. we were going to have to go and have surgery for just spontaneously closed. Mm. It wasn't supposed to close. It was not supposed to close. And I double checked. I was like, isn't this the one that y'all said would not heal on its own? Like Mm. some of them can, but if they're in this place, it doesn't happen. They're like, yeah. (laughs) And I said, so that was wrong. They're like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, just clarifying. And this is the baby we thought. This is is the baby that wasn't going to make it at all. And and, um, Yeah. yeah, so... Yeah. There's been wonder after wonder in this story. Oh, absolutely. Just looking at it and being like, wait, what? I remember just doing absolutely. that on the phone or sitting in meetings with you going, wait, what happened? Oh, yeah. And you would just explain it. And it's like, okay. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy. Awesome. Okay, so let's get back into Ellie's story, right? Okay. okay, so you're thinking, yes, this is a miracle that she's gotten this far. But like you said, there's a flip side of this coin. Right. And that the reality is still that this is a child with a lot of problems. So, yeah. like, take me back there, maybe six to yeah. 12 months or whatever. So, we, we're we still kind of in this, like, you know, are we are we just kind of playing it by ear every day? Is she going to live? Is she not? She's a miracle every day that she's with us. But what does that mean? Like, we don't have a time frame of when she's not going to be with us. And mm-hmm. no one can give us really a prognosis that, that changes anything. I mean, it how she is is how she is <clears throat> at a cellular level. I mean, there's mm. no way to know right. how that's going to play out. Yeah. You know, we've had to spend all this time from the time we got our diagnosis in January through that whole part of her life in the beginning yeah. going, do we prepare for a baby or do we prepare for a burial? Mm. What, Which one are we doing? And to have to hold all of that mm. You know, I didn't have a shower for her. I didn't buy a bunch of stuff for her. Mm-hmm. I couldn't bear the idea of returning it. So we were living on all these little moments too. Oh yeah, or just you don't think about. Yeah, just worrying all the time about these things and feeling very tired. Yeah, you know, up all night checking on her. Her cry mm-hmm. was very quiet. I was always afraid I'd miss something. Mm-hmm. Um, and every little bit of progress she would make, I would be holding that tension of. This is exciting and good, but what does that mean? How long of a road is this? How hard is it going to get? 
you know, I still have to lay down all these expectations I ever had that they're ever going to play together. These kids, yeah. I, you know, the whole reason we had a second kid was so that our two kids could play together mm-hmm. and grow up together and live adult lives together mm-hmm. and experience our family as peers. And that is now not happening. Mm-hmm. So it's every bit as devastating as if you just lose a child, but yet she's right in front of me every day and has these needs Mm -hmm. and that I feel under-equipped to handle. And, you know, the medical bills were piling up and the the GoFundMe was a huge miracle, too, that Mm -hmm. we asked and it flowed in. And then we were encouraged to up our ask and we did and it flowed in and we were encouraged again to do that. So we, we probably upped our ask about three times and every time it was provided and oh my goodness that just blew our minds and Mm -hmm. then you know we were told you'll never get 10 care it'll be really hard to get you know government help for her because you didn't do it right when you had her Uh, um before you left the hospital because there's all these red tape things and i said oh my gosh it's gonna be terrible we weren't told to enroll her in anything because we just thought she was gonna die you know that's all anybody ever said so now here we are with all these things that we're like, gosh, you know, we're taking our to all these specialists and nothing covers this. And, yeah. and then miraculously, she's she was coming up on um where she's about eight months old. Mm. January hits. She gets her first cold virus. Okay. I spent about a week trying to do everything that an entire hospital team would do uh-huh. at my house. Albuterol every three hours, you know, putting her upping her oxygen support all of that, calling people, um, doing all these things. And it's just, after a week, it's not helping. She's struggling. She's pulling real hard, retracting, you know, trying to breathe. Mm -hmm. And she's still so tiny because she's just way, you know, she'll always be really small for her age. And I call my hospice nurse and I said, look, I I don't know what to do. She's been doing so well. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden she's having this cold and I don't know how to make a decision about what to do here. And she said, well, okay, because she's been doing so well. She's eight months old. This is amazing. She's had a surgery for a G-tube. She came out of it like a champ, (laughs) had no problems at all coming off of anesthesia, even though you were told she would have all these problems. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you want to go the route of saying goodbye. I would go ahead and take her to Vandy because they do have some things they could do that you don't have at home that could support her just to get her over this hump and see how she does. And I said, so what's the alternative? She goes, well, the other thing would be to do the thing. And I knew (laughs) right when she said that what she meant. Like, if she weren't doing so well, if we hadn't been having all these other conversations about her growth and all these wonderful things going on with her, it would make sense to have that other conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think what you want to do is take her to the hospital. And I said, I think that's what I want to do too. (laughs) So we go and I'm... Part of me is just, in a sick way, laughing on the way there because I'm going, this is going to, we're going to have to get another mortgage to cover this because this is going to be an ICU stay. Sometimes you have to laugh. And yeah, I was just like, this is going to be ridiculous. (laughs) You know, I'm going to do what it takes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what what we need to do. We're going to get her through this. But oh my gosh, I'm buying another car right now, basically, Uh on this trip. And we get there and we're checked in and they tell us, hey, she has a, a number with TenCare. She has coverage. And I said, what? Are you kidding? I haven't even gotten anything in the mail yet. Yeah. And they said, well, it looks like it's new. It just started as of like Christmas. So just a few weeks ago, Hmm. she got this. And here she is in the hospital and it's going to be totally covered. Oh my gosh. And I went, you've 
gotta be kidding me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Because I'd filled out all this stuff just to do it in mm. faith, even though I was told, no way, Jose, this is going to work. You're going right. to be fighting an uphill battle for two years yeah. if she even makes it that long. And yet here we are. And I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right when you needed it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. going on? There's a lot of ups and downs through this whole yeah. story because you oh, don't yeah. know if a simple— uh, cold or whatever yeah. could be fatal. Because then know. in February, we had it happen again. Yeah. And then March, we were good. April, it happened again. Right. May, it happened again. We yeah. were good in June. July 1st, we had to go in. Right. That one was only two days. Thank God. Okay. Um, because we'd been issued a CPAP machine somewhere in between there. And we're using that to help get her through these things. And that has been a game changer. Gotcha. So we just needed to go for a little bit when she really peaked and mm. we needed a little extra help. And then we were able to send her home gotcha. back to like her home regimen of things. Yeah. And, and here she's been, you know, the rest of this month um, doing awesome. Yeah. I mean, probably the most awesome she's ever been oh, these last couple of weeks. I great. mean, Development leaps and bounds. She's, yeah. uh, it's just been an amazing, yeah, 14 months old has been a really good month for her. Right. And then when you <laughs> so, said May, I was like, if you're, if you caught yeah, that, yeah. that's a year old. Exactly. And so, yeah, so we, yeah, just had her the year birthday, <laughs> yep. which was so precious. It was amazing. See everyone there at your yep. house. And, um, Yep. Just, I mean, it was almost like to the point of like holding back tears, just like singing. Oh, yeah. I've never felt that way at a first birthday party. But I know. Just thinking, oh my gosh, would you look at all these people around? Yeah. You know, and to hear you guys, I mean, as hard as it was for you to articulate how you felt, thank you for the support. Thank yeah. you. Every one of you has meant something yeah. to Ellie and to us, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, one of those things just to be an onlooker going like, look at, wow, look at what God is doing in yeah. this story. Amazing. Um, yeah. One of the questions I had for you through this whole time is the time that the times that I've gone through suffering and through really tough seasons, I, there has been a, uh, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. And so a lot of times I want to retreat and I want to run away. Mm -hmm. And so I've thought about you a lot. I haven't been at, so you're at our Franklin campus. I'm at the yep. Brentwood campus, but I thought about you leading a lot, um, not being around to so really to think about, um, wanting to not do that basically you know like i don't want to be leading right now i am not right. in a good spot <laughs> i am not i don't I'm feel yeah i feel <laughs> exactly. uh, equipped to be up here <laughs> talking to our church and leading all these songs so maybe mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that you know was there a time where you you wanted to step away from leading worship right. or felt like you couldn't be involved like what was that in terms of a response like yeah it's got to be a hard decision to make so well i would say okay first on the not so spiritual side I'm a lot more equipped to be a worship leader than I am a full-time nurse for a child with Edwards syndrome, but I've been thrust into that. Yeah, yeah, here we are. You know, here I am. Yeah. Um, and so as far as like being equipped to know how to just execute mm. that, I'm like, well, I've been doing that a long time. Yeah. I can, I can do that. But to do it from an authentic place, mm. I remember that a long time ago, someone said something to me. They said, um, you know, People are always talking about they want transparency. But when it comes to someone in leadership, they don't necessarily want transparency, like completely. They don't want to know everything. Okay. It can make people a little uncomfortable to know all the gory details. Yeah, uh -huh. But translucency is important. Okay. So even if it's not necessarily healthy to let everybody in on every detail, mm -hmm. you need to pick some people to be transparent with, and right. then you need— to be able to be translucent with everyone. Yeah, that makes sense. So that instead of me telling people 
here's this information, these songs, sing them. God loves you. And, right, see you later. Yeah. Instead, yeah. so I can say, okay, we're all in a dark forest together at night. Mm-hmm. I happen to have a torch, so I'm going to walk this way. Right. Follow me. Yeah. We're going to walk together. Right. Because I feel like that's how the more I dive into all this God's character being revealed in Scripture, that's how He's chosen to lead. Mm. He doesn't do it from afar. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just tell people what to do. Yeah. He gets in there and He says, well, I, I am the way, so walk with me <laughs> mm-hmm. this way. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and following Jesus. Following Jesus. <laughs> right, that's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, sure. And really the thing about following Jesus, yeah, he's in there with you and showing you the way. Mm-hmm. But there can be an element of not only the awe of the miraculous in following him and knowing how wonderful he is and how he's done all these amazing things, but there's— there can be disappointment in following Jesus. Mm. His disciples felt it constantly, <laughs> always thinking he was going to, you know, go left when he went right and right. do this when he did that. And we experience that in our lives when he calls us to things that do not look like what we wanted mm-hmm. or uh, simply seem maybe smaller than what we were hoping, more modest, more mm-hmm. intimate when we were hoping for something a little bit more razzle-dazzle, right. you know? Yeah, my expectations um, were here, yeah. and then now yeah. we're here. Okay. Or we want to see the kingdom, you know, mirrored in government, mm-hmm. and we're never going to see that. Yeah. We're just not going to see that. So, handling that to, you know, those that, that dichotomy yeah. of, I'm in awe of the miraculous, but I'm also disappointed by things. Yeah. That is a big part of something I've been trying to let people in on as I'm leading worship, mm-hmm. taking opportunities in those translucent moments mm-hmm. to say, yes, it can be disappointing and hard to be following Jesus, and yet things are not easygoing. Yeah, lining up. They're not lining up. <laughs> this is not, you know, good stuff is not just happening to good people, and yeah. all that, you know. Huh. But to to allow people in to walk together in the context of what we're dealing with in life is often disappointing. Mm. And yet God is in that. And to acknowledge the disappointment Mm -hmm. and to bring that to Him as well, instead of just saying, well, I shouldn't be disappointed. And I think, no, God is the one who's not disappointed because He knows the outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. We're the ones who have unreasonable expectations about things. So He already gets that. He knows that about us. Yeah, and a lot of disappointment, I feel like, comes from limited scope, you know, or like limited perspective. Because, you know, oftentimes you see the whole picture, you go, oh, (laughs) you know, but when you're right in the middle of it, you know, it's like, well, that's not right, or it shouldn't be going this way. And it's like, just hang on, you know. Um, Or I just straight up don't like being uncomfortable. Yeah. And And I certainly don't like extreme discomfort and suffering. Right, yeah. So... In that fact, can't I'd like to good. eliminate it at all costs. At exactly. All, at all it, times. It, any, in any way mm-hmm. I could possibly do that, I'm going to yeah. set myself up for not that. Mm-hmm. So, to acknowledge in a group setting that we're worshiping God from a perspective that we 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 are honest about the fact that we're disappointed and, and hurt about some things, mm-hmm. and yet we're going to take that and still submit it and say, you're still good. Mm-hmm. You're still in control. You are still the one I want to follow, even if it means following you into something I don't like. Mm. And the circumstances 
being something I wouldn't choose for myself. Yeah. Because ultimately it's who I'm following, not through what am I following That's so you. good, yeah. So I thought, well, if that's what his model is, mm. I'm going to try to do that. I can do that. I yeah. can do that because uh, I'm walking through some stuff. And I know a lot of people are walking through stuff. Yeah. And they may feel like no one can identify with their stuff. Well, mm. okay, I don't need to know exactly what your stuff is. Mm-hmm. And you may or may not know all the details of my stuff. But I can be open enough with you to let you know I really am genuinely going through some stuff. Right. And we can together approach yeah. this truth through that filter and still know it's true. God mm-hmm. is still good. And singing songs about His power and His ability to heal and His compassion and His strength and His you know, might and his salvation that he offers us. All these things are true. And I can say it with confidence, walking through something really hard, not from a mountaintop position where everything's going great in my life. And I'm just Mm going to tell you God's good because who, who really wants to listen to that? Mm -hmm. Someone who it seems like everything's going great in your life. And you're just telling me like, God is good. Of course you think God is good. I remember reading one of the families that I follow on Facebook through our uh, Trisomy support group, posted a really, um, just a really poignant um, message that said, God is not good because my son is alive. Mm. God is not good because my son hasn't died yet. Mm. God is good because his son died, and yet he is alive. That is why God is good. Uh Uh-huh. And that really hit me because I thought, well, yeah, because I'm going to say God is good. But one day, Ellie will not be with me. Mm -hmm. God is still good. Yeah. And she has good days and she has bad days. God is still good. Right. It doesn't change it. It doesn't change it. So why is God good? Because He has died and yet He is alive. Mm -hmm. Do I need more yeah, he was good before I got on the scene at he was, all. Yeah. <laughs> and he, we'll continue. he was good before I got here. Yeah. He will be good when I'm gone. Yeah. And all the things that transpire in the middle, he's good. Yeah. So I don't want to just use God is good when things are good. Totally. Because God is good when things are bad. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's, a, I think, a powerful place to lead from because you can set an example from stage where people are already looking, you know, to leaders, whether they're preaching or they're leading the songs or whatever, you know, to say, um, I needed this today. Yeah. <laughs> I needed, uh, even in a scripture reading or a song, it's like, yeah, I mean, it could be as simple as that. Like, I needed to hear these words. Mm-hmm. I needed to hear y'all mm-hmm. sing. Yeah, I me. needed to hear you <laughs> sing this yeah, at to me encourage today. me, exactly. you know. Yeah, because it becomes a mutual thing at that point and more family than it is mm. like stage and seats and whatever it it fights like the performance thing because it's like hey this yeah. is what's happening and yeah. like you said translucent like i'm not afraid to like let you into my life a little right. bit because i'm a real person and this is how these things affect me you yeah. know and so i think it people can let their own guard down a little yeah. bit and be like okay like it puts them at ease where they can just enter into a moment when yeah. I think a person on stage is entering into a right. moment, you know. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything else you could sum up about um, things that you feel like God has been showing you through a season of trial and suffering and um, disappointment that are maybe takeaways, you know, or yeah. um, uh, even with uh, things with you and Luke saying, we're in a season right now where we're learning X, Y, and Z or what mm-hmm. you have found to be true about God. Um, yeah. And then the, just the question to you of, like, what does the future look like? 
I would say with Ellie, without Ellie, like what is that response to what you've learned about God through this time? How do you imagine that might look or what do you hope that that will look like? When we first decided we were going to begin a family, I remember one of my motivations was that I knew I needed to live a life that demanded more of me. Hmm. And I knew that it would be in line with godly character to enter into a life like that of child rearing mm-hmm. <laughs> where you pour yourself out with nothing in return. Right, yeah. Self-aware <laughs> enough to know this yeah. is going to be take a lot. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I can identify with the Lord in this way. If He chooses to bless us with children, that's how I'm viewing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did not realize the extent to which that would become sure. my life or yeah. our story. But... That's one of the things that I have definitely thought about as I imagine now hoping, praying that she does stay with us a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, She will always be a lot of work. Mm. She will always require a lot of selfless giving. And I will not get a lot in return. Mm. I'll get some smiles. Yeah. But I'm never going to have her coming to me and telling me how much I mean to her. Right. Um, she's never going to be like making these accomplishments, you yeah. know, that that other kids like her sisters um, are going to be doing. Uh-huh. You know, she's not going to be winning trophies. She's right. not going to yeah. be like, yeah. Um, I'm going to be excited when she can roll over all the way on her own someday. Uh-huh. Like I'm hoping that'll happen, yeah. or that she might crawl. I don't know, maybe not. But if she does, those are going to be great. Yeah. So, I think that one of the big takeaways for me is just learning to take joy, the pouring out of myself, because that is something God does Mm. with so much love. Mm -hmm. I get to identify with Him in that, in pouring myself out for her. And Lord, let it be as long as possible, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because now I just, I can't imagine a day without her in our family. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's likely that that day will come, Mm while I'm still a relatively young person, Mm -hmm. which is out of the order of natural things. And I know that I will have to relearn how to be a person who isn't needed in that way. And I know that there will probably be some sense mixed in with all of the grief and the sadness. There will be some sense of relief that I don't have to do those things Mm -hmm. anymore. But I'm sure that they will pale in comparison to missing her and I'll have to take that to him all the time yeah so that's one of one of my sum up you know yeah takeaways I would say another one would have to be how much more tender I've become toward people whose stories and their responses have looked different Mm -hmm. everybody experiences trauma differently Mm. everyone experiences the Lord through their trauma differently if they're walking with him Mm-hmm. You know, he's the same, but their stories are not all the same. Right. And I have had a lot more grace and mercy, I think, for the way that people react to their difficulties mm. than what I ever had before I went through and have been going through this right. myself. Yeah, I could see that that could be would change the way that you love other people or even um, can hear their stories because you have a, a maybe a a broader understanding, you know, of 
how yeah. these things can go. So, yeah, yeah, we it sort of reminds me. We had a friend in California who uh, got pregnant, and it was the, I think their first child, and found out they had the child had Down syndrome, and so um, I think gosh, she's got to be five or six years old now, wow. you know. Um, and I remember what the, like in passing this like amazing thing she said to me one time. I never forgot it. Um, she was like, yeah, I just think about, you know, my son. And I think God knew that I was the best mom for him, <laughs> you know, like, and she, he saw my son and he saw me and he was like, yeah, I'm going to put these two together. Yeah. And I was like, how beautiful is that? Like, you know, that it wasn't some other mom. It wasn't some other couple mm-hmm. in some other state. It was mm-hmm. you and Luke, like, mm-hmm. and he saw Ellie <laughs> mm-hmm. and was like, you're the best mom for Ellie. You know, you're the best parents for this situation you know because it could have been anyone and it could have been any child you know and so just like we feel that way about our boys like you know these boys were given to us as gifts and we are given to them as parents you know Mm -hmm. to show them jesus and to show them how the world works and send them off you know and it's like for some reason we were chosen as you know their their mom and their dad so um yeah, I just, I have seen that in your guys' life. You know, just like you said, we got thrust into this. Mm-hmm. I think you're doing an awesome job. <laughs> you know, I want you to know that. And just as people, as onlookers, you know, um, that God has put you there for a reason, you know, and that he's seen fit to bless you with Ellie and honestly to bless Ellie with you guys, yeah. you know, um, have it be a, a family <laughs> in that way. And so, anyway, I'm so excited for you guys to uh, with another yep. one coming. I know yep. that it will just be even more more Just fun more and grace fun. and chaos so and all this stuff. So, um, <laughs> we're excited. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for being on today and just yes. t- walking us through yeah. a, a story with a lot of ups and downs. And it's a story that's not finished yet, you know? And right. so, um, it would be cool to maybe just revisit it later yeah. and come back and hear more about it. But, um, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing what you did. And, Thanks uh, for we'll, having me. yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Revelation Response is produced by Fellowship Bible Church and Fellowship Songs. You can check us out online at fellowshipbiblechurch.org or by searching Fellowship Songs wherever you stream your music. Also, please leave us a like and give us a follow to hear more episodes like this. Thanks for listening.